Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Football Excellence Podcast. We have a great episode for you today featuring Coach Brian Maper, head coach at East Texas Baptist University, a Division Three in Texas. And Coach Maper has an extensive coaching background with leadership at, at pretty much all levels of the NCAA, Division One, Two, Three, junior college, and professional levels. Uh, he has made coaching stops at Lamar University, Southern Arkansas University, Howard Payne University, Navarro College, where he was the uh, head coach in 2013 Fellowship of Christian Athletes Central Texas Coach of the Year. And additionally, he coached in Europe. He coached in Serbia, where, believe it or not, he actually coached against me, where I played for the Novi Sad Dukes. He coached for the, the, Belgra- the, the Bukovi Belgrade, and we battled it out for the championship in Serbia. We'll get into all of this in our podcast. In the podcast, we also talk about um, some of his coaching philosophies and some of his models on how to build team culture, um, kind of the benefits of, of choosing Division Three, and, and the types of athletes that he typically looks for in recruiting and, and that typically will, ex- will excel and succeed at the Division Three level. And then finally, uh, you know, we, di- we just talk about what football means to him, what it means to his life, and, and why coaching has, has made such an impact for him as his career. So without further ado, here's Coach Brian Maper. Coach Maper, welcome to the Football Excellence Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. You're in Marshall, Texas right now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's everything going down there? Yeah, that's good. I mean, like everybody else, we're isolated. Luckily, we're out in the country, so there's, there's mm. room to walk around and move and bike and exercise. So it's, uh, it makes it it's peaceful. We had a bird in the house this morning, left the window open, and there's a bird oh that woke us up about gosh. six. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So you, so you, I mean, are you, are you living in the country, like country country, or? Yeah, yeah, about 10 minutes, yeah, 10 minutes outside of town. It's a little small lake community. Nice. So it's a lot of retired people, so it's great. I mean, everybody, they're doing what they've always done. They work on the yards and hang out, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been peaceful. Very cool, very cool. So you're in Marshall at East, uh, East Texas Baptist University, uh, head coach, Division three school. Uh, coach, let's just get right into it. What are, what is some of your coaching philosophies, some of your mottos, um, some, of, some of the things that you use to build team culture and to build great teams? Um, well, when I got here, you know, I think it changes with, with each place you go to. you got to figure out what, what you're trying to accomplish. And obviously everybody's trying to accomplish some type of unification. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we had mentioned it on the shirt. I have Hennetos. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's our purpose to be unified as a team. Once you're unified, everybody starts moving in the same direction. It's like, you know, it's like geese flying. You know, you see mm-hmm. them flying. They form the bee. Well, the one's taking all the the wind and the power coming at you. So, and when it gets tired, it falls to the back, and the other ones are a little less to wind resistant. So, it keeps them all moving in the same direction. So when we got here, the big thing was I was the fifth head coach in five years. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys just had an opportunity to move. Great, some great coaches. Uh, Josh Orgel, who's at Kansas now, had a chance to go and be an offensive coordinator at D1 school. Uh, wow. Then uh, Scotty Walden is the receiver coach at Southern Miss, so he, had, he left. Um, the next guy after that um, had some health issues, so or his wife did, so he left. So there was not a bunch of relational um, – continuity with players so that was our biggest thing when we came in here what what's the biggest need we we have and I think you got to assess 
every situation as you go into it. So we got in here and said, basically, our doors are wide open. I mean, kids had never been in the head coach's office. They're like, oh, this is what it is. I said, y'all just come in here. As long as the door's open, you guys come bother me. So that's that was our biggest thing is just being relational. That was our, our underlying factor the, the first year. And as we went through it, then you start tweaking and figure out what you need. Um, for us to take that next step, you know, we've always been um, in this conference you know, five years ago, they won the conference. It was a three-way tie. Merhard and Baylor, which everyone's heard of, um, they were national champs this past year or the year before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Harden-Simmons, who's a, who's a big powerhouse in Division Three. So we've always kind of fallen behind them that one year as a tie. So it's just getting confidence to, to go in there and beat them. So as we started growing our numbers, you know, we were 60 the first semester I was here, 80. Now we're at 100 this spring, so we limit who we bring in um, as far as numbers. We're not going to have just mass numbers. <clears throat> so the next thing we looked at was basically we're, we're unified. Everybody's feeling the same thing, but now we got to empower the team. So mm-hmm. we do different activities to empower the team. And basically this spring until we, we had three weeks of spring ball before we got canceled, before spring break, and uh, – I mean, any issue that arise, the players took care of it. I mean, it was great. I didn't nice. have to punish anybody. They'd go, hey, coach, was such and such in class today? I looked through my list. I said, nope. I said, you got to run this guy and this guy. And really, it, it eliminated every issue. Um, Interesting. A great, great book, uh, the New Zealand uh, All Blacks. Uh-huh. I don't know if you read about them, the Legacy. Awesome book. You read I it? I heard that. No, I actually had a podcast yeah. yesterday and, and with Dante Warren, a coach at South Dakota, and he said that he brought up the same book. That's so funny. I got to read oh, it. It's awesome. And that's what they did. Basically, the, the, the team took over. They said, what needs to change? And basically, the team took over uh, ownership, and that's kind of where we are right now. So I think, I think every situation, you have to assess it differently. But it all comes down to relationships. I mean, the players got to feel you love them, that you care for them, that you're here for them. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Well, and, you know, how are you developing those leaders that are kind of running the show for you, at, at, you know, with their peers? Because, I mean, th- that's the most important piece, right, is having the guys to set that example who can let it trickle down amongst the program. Right. Um, you know, when you in college, in the college level, <coughs> obviously you have the ability to recruit. So, I mean, you, get a, you have the ability to recruit leaders. Um, and then, like you said, you could develop them. So some guys are just natural leaders as they come in. You just tell – I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they said, this guy is just like the alpha. I mean, he walks mm. in, and, and everybody gravitates to him. He walks in, and they say, hey, be quiet, and the whole room's quiet. So you got some of those guys that are natural-born leaders. Um, we had one last year, Brian Baca, a phenomenal uh, student-athlete, um, led Division three in a lot of stat categories, uh, strong Christian, but – he was a he was one of those type of guys. The guys just love playing for him. I think that's important. Uh, then the next thing is developing them. We do a lot of stuff. One thing we do, you know, fortunately we're at a, a Christ-centered university, so mm-hmm. we can talk about Christ all I want to. Um, I always did anyway because I mean God's going to take care of everything. So they fire me to public school. Guess what? I'll just get a job somewhere else. So <laughs> I really would. I knew God would place me where he needed me. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what we do is we, we do different uh, discipleship uh, with our players. And that's been uh, – we've actually done coaches outreach. I think it's a southern-based deal. It's kind of like FCA. But sure. uh, we meet with those guys. 
and the, the kids just – you could tell who kind of starts opening it up. Then guys get vulnerable. They start telling you about their life stories, what their struggles are. And then they just create that type of bond, that brotherhood. I mean, it's unlike right. any team I've been on because now these guys start to feel like they're really family. And that, mm. that's the whole key. And it's, it's been unique here than anywhere I've been just because of that discipleship aspect that we brought to it. That's fascinating. That, that relationship amongst players, amongst coaches, how important vulner, vulnerability is in those relationships. I think that's something that's overlooked, you know, by a lot of coaching staffs and players in the football industry because we got egos, we got testosterone, we're all men. And so we don't want to be vulnerable or expose ourselves or the weak parts of ourselves to our friends. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't, you know, we don't want to be the, the, the butt end of all the jokes. But when you open yourself up like that, it allows for a relationship that is so much deeper and it allows you to fight so much more for that guy. And, and when you know that your teammates and coaches accept you for you at the foundation, that's really powerful. Really uh, powerful. It makes all the difference. We were, um, you know, we brought in different speakers, and when those guys start feeling when they start, especially coming from coaches. I mean, if a coach says, I'll, I'll sit in here. Before um, last year, I had the receivers. Now we've kind of done different groups, so we've kind of mixed everybody up. So now our groups are, instead of just having your position group, now you're mixed in with, uh, you know, linemen are in here, D linemen. Basically, one of our coaches says, hey, I coached the secondary, but I really don't know that offensive lineman that well. So we started mixing up seniors through freshmen, and and some guys are quiet. The group started to open up a little bit, but it's uh, yeah, like you said, because because we are as men, we have a tough shell. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's an awesome thing when you see guys come out. And then when I'll sit here, we'll we'll do icebreakers on different things and uh, <laughs> different <laughs> topics, and I'll I'll tell them something I did. And they're like, whoa, mm. coach, you did that? I said, yeah, <laughs> back in the day, I was, this was before I was saved. So I understand we all sin. But then mm. bringing in the, Damon West is kind of a big talk right now. Damon West is the, they've done the coffee bean story. I don't know if you've heard of that. I haven't, it's no. A lot of the colleges right now um, start off uh, at Clemson talking to them. And he's probably hit probably about half of the, the major D1 schools just as a speaker. He's hooked up with, uh, Oh, the energy bus guy. Um, uh, Eric? Uh, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Never mind. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> Damian West was, was a college quarterback at North Texas. Unbelievable athlete. And uh, so he, he got – he graduated, uh, ended up going in finance, was doing really well. And then he gets uh, – he starts – he has a meth uh, – bad meth habit. And he starts Ooh. stealing. He's like one of the biggest burglars in one of the richest area in Dallas. And he's, which is called Uptown Area, and he is the Uptown Burglar. And basically, he they catch him after like two years, and he's a, uh, you know, he decides to go. Well, they sentence him for life, pretty much. It, it was kind of unheard, but the judge wanted to say something, so he goes into prison. And his parents said, basically, before you do this, you have to, uh, you got to be yourself, and you got to make sure you don't change, don't uh, join any of the gangs, uh, don't, because uh, I mean, they'll just ruin your life. Right. So he decided – he wrote a book on the coffee bean, basically letting the – don't let the environment affect you. Let them – let you affect the environment. And it's really awesome. But he came and talked to mm. our guys. And seeing a guy just talk about his experience and what he went through. And, again, you see this guy that was a D1 quarterback. that was a stud, had everything in front of him. And just being vulnerable, talking about everything that he did and what he screwed up on, yeah, it's, it's big. 
It's so. huge. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, how has that development been going on your team? I mean, how did you guys finish? I mean, you didn't recruit those guys, right, in your first year. You know, so how's it been going into your first year recruiting? And, I mean, what's the status of the program right now? <clears throat> um, it's really been good. Like I said, when we started, when I got here in the spring two years ago, we had 60 guys in the off season. Mm. <clears throat> and like any program, you got to have continuity. I mean, like I said, Mary Harden Baylor at Harden Simmons. I mean, they have now they have JV programs, but there's 200 something guys in the program. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to have a JV program. We're going to make sure. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's a, it's a lot of numbers. So, like it's graduate assistants are coaching those guys. I mean, it gives them an opportunity. But we've done the JV thing at different schools, and it's a, a different opinion, but. Sure. So when we got here, we had 60, and of course, some of those guys are just average players. But to get really good, you got to have continuity. You have to have larger senior classes. Well, this this last year, the first year I was here, I think we had like 12 in the senior class. In this last year, <clears throat> we had seven. Two of them got injured, so they got medical retro, so we back. But next year, I believe we're at 17 or 19 <clears throat> in our senior class. And then wow. the following year, we're going to be at 35, maybe even higher than that. <clears throat> so as long as we keep about 30-something in our, in our senior classes, now you start to develop, like, like you said, you develop that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> just the numbers have gone up on that. We've, uh, like I said, we went from 60 to 80 to 100 this spring. Um, we're going to be affected, obviously, from the – from the pandemic because of just financial situations from right. some of the, some of the kids. But uh, you know, what we've done is, is we wanted to make sure we engaged them besides football. Cause you can play football anywhere. I mean, you know that you've been all yeah. over the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a different experience anywhere. wherever you're at. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's awesome. Um, so to me, you know, I wanted to make sure there's something that just kept the guys here. So we do, we do fun stuff throughout the time, and that's that's been a big thing for us. Um, like during uh, <coughs> fall camp, we're up on the top practice field, and we have our stadiums kind of sunken down below. And uh, so we roll out this uh, tarp, and I'm sitting there talking about the Navy SEALs, about going through water and, and pushing yourself to the limits and not leaving a brother behind. And you just got to keep on pushing your body because you go extra hard. And they're thinking they're about to run like crazy. You know how fall camp was. Oh, you yeah. You know, practice. And it's like, oh, man, what are we running today? So, yes. So we get ready. And I said, all you got to do is keep up with me. And I run a bunch. So the next thing we know, we turn around the corner and we got a slip and slide. So we go <laughs> right slip, and we slip and slide for like 30, 40 minutes. <clears throat> and I kind of picked that up by, by one of my teammates in college, <clears throat> Blake Anderson at Arkansas State. They did that with their team. So I was like, that's pretty cool. We, we could do that too. So we do that. We have uh, dodgeball tournaments. Coaches are undefeated. We were going to – we, we <laughs> might have got knocked off this year because we had a few openings. So we were kind of short oh, on the staff. Uh, so the pandemic probably saved us from a dodgeball defeat. But uh, yeah. yeah, so two years we've had – I mean, think about that. Think about being able to peg your coach. So I tell that to recruits. I said, I said, God, that'd be, I mean, just think about all the work he put you through, and now you could, you could even pick the head coach. But then they all, they all smile and they laugh about it. But I said, just remember, we get to peg you also. <laughs> I can't believe so, y'all are still undefeated, man. That's fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's two years, so. Um, yeah. And then we, uh, what else we do? <clears throat> we did a, 
kickball, um, get done with practice early and have a kickball, uh, short kickball tournament. Mm-hmm. Kickball is awesome. I mean, last yeah, time yeah. we played it was back in middle school. Uh, so we try mm-hmm. to do stuff. We, one thing that the guys love, it's insane how much they love it, we do. A, we start off with a fastball, basically ones-on-ones after we stretch. Mm-hmm. You get four plays, score, it's over with. If defense gets a turnover, it's over with. But either it's four plays or one play. And uh, so we get lined up, and we, we do fastball flipped. So basically offense is on defense, defense is on offense. We've got scout cards, and those wow. guys go nuts over that. So <clears throat> just different that's ways awesome. to get, get them engaged. So that's, that's kind of what camera we start talking about. But, yeah, how are we doing? So, you know, we're, well, we're making well, strides. Well, Maybe. and even along the, along those lines, coach, like it sounds like you, like having fun is a big part of who you are as a coach. And do you feel like in, in programs that you've been been in previously, do you feel like there's organizations that weren't having enough fun? And did that reflect on how the players played for them and played for the coaches? Yeah, I th- you know, I'm, I'm a big Dabo Swinney guy. And I see him doing a lot of yeah. stuff. And then uh, Pete Carroll, you know, he was kind of a – did a bunch of annex when he was up at a, where is it, USC, I guess. Um, USC, that yeah. were just, uh, that were fun and engaging. And then, like I said, Blake Anderson, a good friend of mine at Arkansas State, he's doing that as a head coach. You just see different things, uh, you know, dressing up and having a Halloween contest in Halloween, um, <laughs> just different things. So just having fun with it. And, yeah, you, you just see – you know, we want to be positive. If you're having fun, you're positive. There's no negativity, and that's uh, that's pretty big for us. So, yeah, I mean, you, you see different teams that um, that we face against when they hit kind of adversity. You see when they start bickering on the sidelines. You yeah. can tell they're just kind of defeated. And so when we got here, you're kind of talking about how we've gone along. So the two teams we we lost to the first year, it was I've never seen it before. We just We just didn't show up to play the exact same team we were playing I mean they were just like us and so my whole thought process was was I don't know what we have to do but we got to get over this mindset so I kind of put a target on that date now we didn't do that well this past year against them but we competed and it's like we fought the whole time where the last year I thought we kind of gave up it looked like um and then against Mayor Harden Baylor we played him really well the first year we played him pretty good I mean the score I think is like a four touchdown score difference but we weren't really in that game the first year. Last year, I mean, it was 12 to, 12 to 7, I think, or something. The kid kicks like a 52-yard field goal right before halftime. I'm like, oh, yeah. you got to be kidding me. I mean, he does a great job. So we come out second half. We drive. We move across midfield. So we're going to basically cut it to – I think we're going to cut it to a five-point game. So it must have been a little bit higher. But anyway um, – Kids reaching for extra yards, one of our really good receivers, and the ball pops out. They go down and score. And then we get in the red zone, and our running back, that to me was one of the best running backs in Division Three, fumbles the ball. And then we throw a pass to the running back. We were picking on the backer, and it ricochets off his hand, and they pick six. And just things imploded. And it gets a national, you know, powerhouse. You can't mm-hmm. turn them all over. No, but no. on the field, we've seen it. But the biggest thing is, like I said, just relationships throughout campus. Um, you just see guys, everybody's hanging out with each other. Everybody likes coming around here. Um, mm-hmm. I know some places sometimes it's like, boy, do I want to go get after it today? It's just yeah. having that passion, that excitement to being around your brothers. So no that's doubt. A, and to me, the, the step that we took now 
basically we, we created a kind of a leadership group this spring, guys telling you earlier, and it's, it's uh, tremendous. I mean, they're sitting there policing each other. If a guy's not yeah. doing something, they like get on his butt. If a guy's not going to class, like, I mean, they're the guys out there running. One, one day there was, we had, I think, two kids that had missed a morning workout. And the first time you miss, it's like 10, 10 hundred yards of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. rolls, crawls. And they're out there mm-hmm. for like an hour after practice. I'm like, God. <laughs> so, the kids are doing it they're like yeah i screwed up you know they they admitted to what they did and say well i let the team down so i'm going to do this and not complain and get better so that's that's to me been the biggest step that we've faced this past year that's fantastic that's awesome. when you awesome. when you get when you when you've got guys that can be accountable for their own actions and own up to the things that they they fall short on i think that's so powerful and then to have the leaders on your team to actually you know hold people to a standard is is everything it's everything that's what uh we had some guys from uh who i think it was army um so we were playing a team down in uh i can't remember who it was could have been down in Georgetown, but by Austin. So we're in Colleen where Fort, Fort Hood is, one of the biggest Army bases around, well, in Texas at least. <clears throat> and one of our coaches, some of his former players went to Army, and they had made the big turnaround from like two and something to winning the Commander's Cup. And I think it was like 16, 17, somewhere around there. And they were like – so we, they came in and spoke to our team, you know, the night before the game. And uh, our guys were listening to them. They sitting in one of our – the quarterback, the leader, he said, you know, in that whole deal, what was the difference? He said it all came down to us basically saying we're taking ownership of this team and we're going to make sure everybody's doing right. So it's it's kind of validified everything we we're moving towards and the direction we we're going. So that was it was awesome. That's fantastic. Well, and, and, and so, you know, along those lines, on the types of players you're coaching, I mean, how does the recruiting differ from the different places that you've been from uh, East Texas Baptist? You know, you were at Lamar, you were at Southern Arkansas, I believe. Um, you know, how did that vary in the types of kids that you're recruiting and how your approach to actually recruiting them? Um, you know, kind of going to the, so it's been every level, one double, division one, uh, FBS. Division two, you know, you you got to – in those levels, the coaches that really do good in Division two, one double A, the guys that can kind of manage their scholarships. Division two, especially because they only have 36 scholarships. Division uh, FCS, one, one FCS has 63, 63 right? yeah. and Division one has 85. So, basically, if you get a scholarship D1 uh, in the bowl deal, you, you get a, your own full scholarship. And then junior college, we had – 32 so you kind of had to manage that you worked off Pell Grants and different things and then here there's no scholarship it's off of academic money off of merit off of leadership so um kind of going through them all uh you know this at this level right here division three it's a marathon I mean you recruit guys and when I when I first started I actually started on this level another team in our conference and I was with one of – I just hired one of my assistants, one of the uh, mentor that I kind of look up to. Uh, there's like three guys I call when I got coaching questions, and he was one of them. So he retired from high school and <clears throat> probably the hardest worker I've ever been around. I was able to hire him last year. Does a tremendous job. He's coaching our line. But while we were um, over there, 
uh, I started just writing letters to the kids and about every two weeks I'd send something out just before you get text and all that. So to me, the whole recruiting process comes to at that this level is uh, kids just have to feel engaged, feel like they're wanted, have some type of contact. Um, you know, the social media and tweeting all that stuff out, it's okay. But yeah. really, I mean, if a kid gets a letter in the, in the mail, if a kid gets a phone call, they might not, might not answer all the time, but at least there's some type of communication. And then at this level, there's always someone trying to get your guy because there's nothing locking the guy in here. There's no there's no uh, national letter of intent. So, Ooh. like, we've had a couple guys, one kid that decided going to Grambling, uh, one kid going somewhere else, and you just keep on – you keep on recruiting them. And luckily, Texas, I mean, everyone knows Texas football. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's tons of guys here. Um, there are really a lot of guys that play everywhere. So, it's really finding the ones and uh, that kind of fit what you're about. And then having standards. Um, you know, the junior college level, um, you know, one of the easiest places to recruit to me was junior college. I mean, mm. you go in there and you say, okay, I want your, your D1 athlete that has no grades. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got these two guys. Okay, mm-hmm. we're good. And then you kind of go through it, and you know uh, that was that was really simple. But the thing is, you had to have a standard. Like uh, usually with a lot of guys, especially transfers, there there are issues that pop up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we just kind of had a standard on on what they could have done. You know, if there's ever any type of domestic violence or something like that, I wouldn't touch the guy. Other people yeah. wouldn't the conference, but. I mean, I didn't care how good the kid was, but if, if there's some type of issue there, there's something emotionally wrong with the person that's going to spread through the team. Um, if they did something that, you know, they, they might have smoked or something, you know, we're going to give them we're gonna give them grace um, and say, hey, this is what you got to do. I have a great story of a kid that uh, he, he got into some type of deal at A&M, and mm-hmm. I just left the high school. And the coach calls me back up, says, hey, coach, you still – how close are you from the school? I said, I'm just right down the road. He goes, well, such and such from A&M, you know, he's been dismissed from the team. This is what's going to happen on the whole deal. So I go in there, and uh, this joker is enormous. I mean, remember how all those Serbia guys were so big? Mm-hmm. Um, well, this guy was big and muscular. And I go walk into his house, and he's got trash bags full of his clothes, there's bars on the windows. It's in the projects. It's wow. uh, in the, here I am. I mean, you know me, I'm five, eight. I'm not the biggest in stature. And mm-hmm. I just gotten some, anyway, so talked to our president, our head coach. And he says, yeah, uh, let me talk to the president. And the president says, basically, okay, he's on super probation. If he does one thing wrong, he's done. Well, he ended up being one of the best leaders at the junior college level, ended up going to <clears throat> Arkansas state. Wow. Played there. Well, when they finally sentenced him, this was after he got finished playing, he got sentenced to a year in prison. Well, he got drafted by the the Browns or the Bengals, I think the Bengals, and they kept his rights while he was in prison, which that's a testament to the type of person he is. So there's a story just awesome. So you got to kind of feel what, what different things were, you know, what the situation was and, but, yeah, just have a standard of what you want in the program. I mean, really trying to find positive, energetic people that are passionate about football. And at this level, I mean, if you're not passionate about it, you're paying to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's what Division Three ball is all about. So it's, well, it's really fun. Yeah, well, 
you know, even as you say that, it, I say that all the time about, you know, the international game, which you have experience in as well, you know, football in Europe specifically where we both were. And, oh, yeah. you know, it, you, these kids aren't getting famous from playing football. It's not popular in those countries. So for them to play it, they've really got to love that sport, you know? Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, as you were saying that about Division Three, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same. I mean, you're investing to play but you know, you're, you're still playing at a, at a, at a solid level at, at a collegiate level and you gotta be all in cause otherwise it's just, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be worth it for you once you, once you're putting in all that effort. Right. Yeah. Cause practices, I mean, some practices are fun, some, you know, you're kind of tired and you got to get through that. But uh, yeah, it's like you said, internationally, I mean, you, you're sitting there and you got, I mean, I had guys that were older than me and mm-hmm. guys that were in their forties and yep. uh, I mean, you know how it is. And so those guys are just all oh, coach. I love it. So yes. hey, here we go. Let's get going. <laughs> it's a totally different mentality over there, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the oldest guy that I, I, I encountered was 50 and he was starting center for a team in Barcelona, Spain. Oh, and yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm 28 and I can't even fathom playing right now, much less 22 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was great was we had a guy that uh, he was enormous. He was a, a D tackle for us. At, uh, at Belgrade, and mm-hmm. um, our center had to go. And you know how it is with practices over there. Some guys have to work, some guys don't. You may practice it. Like we started at, at eight o'clock at night, and then we mm-hmm. bumped to nine o'clock. Then we bumped to ten o'clock. So we're getting done with practice at midnight. Um, wow. So we're out there, and our our center was a security guard, and he goes, "Coach, there's a there's this concert that." I mean, I can make some good money. And, you know, the, the money over there wasn't – they didn't make a lot of money. So, right. you know, you can't say, oh, come on. So, he goes and does that. So, I'm playing center because I'm the only one oh. – we didn't have a backup center. I'm the only one that can snap the ball, and I want to get practice kind of moving. I look over at the guy that was name was Itzo. If you may know Itzo. But yeah. I said, uh, say, Itzo, let me put it to you this way. I'm going to touch you. Okay, that means you're blocked. If you run me over, you will not be playing at all. It's <laughs> like, oh, yes, coach. But it was great. It's like his best practice because he goes, you know, he takes one step and stops. <laughs> yeah, so he's content. He doesn't have to work hard. <laughs> that's, that's such an awesome, awesome experience that we both share. Uh, you know, I, I played in France, Germany, and then my last year was in Serbia. And you coached in Serbia. And, like, when you tell people that you were over there and there's American football in Eastern Europe, in Serbia, people are dumbfounded. They can't believe it. You know, Serbia of all places. You know, and, and how was your experience there? Because I had the time of my life, honestly. <clears throat> no, it was it was awesome. I mean, you didn't know what you're getting into because you're thinking Eastern Europe, and uh, mm-hmm. I was really surprised. I mean, yeah. seeing the the country, the country's beautiful, the fortresses, the castles. Yeah. I mean, it was it was beautiful. The people there were uh, they were awesome. I mean, it was it was one of the best experiences I had. Now. You know, you'd have you'd have guys out there smoking cigarettes before practice. You'd be like, "Hey, c- come on now, come and on, then, guys!" But, but it was it was a great experience. I mean, they they were just hungry for knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like pee wee uh, pee wee athletes. They start learning how to do something. They just want to learn more and more. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, they gave it all you had out there. I mean, you know, the guys you played against. I mean, some of those guys that they would have grown up in America. I mean, they'd be D one athletes because they would have sure. been doing it from day one. Um, but just the just the the talent level they just they don't have the innate ability just to react immediately right. i mean you right. know that when we played those championship games the the two americans had to play both ways yeah <laughs> they had no option 
<laughs> no option, man. Guys. I said, I said it's nonstop. So they're <laughs> gasping for air, and then you're drinking a uh, what was that? Uh, it's like non-alcoholic beer stuff that those guys would drink for for uh, carbohydrates. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, it was it was like Boss, not Boss. Okay, was, uh, yeah, I can't. I, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't Interesting. Remember. But yeah, just some of the different things. It was yeah, it was it was quite. But I love the way they did that over there, because basically to me it was is a fall off from NFL Europe and some mm-hmm. of those school or some of those organizations wanted to keep it going, in the to limit it just to two Americans. I mean, it's a great experience for the Americans to go over there, but basically they're just teaching them to to have a love for football, and exactly. the, the following there is unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're so gung ho about it. Um, they are, and they, they go are. every day, follow the teams everywhere. So yeah, it's that was a blast. Well, and that's the thing is like, I think what's missing the most is quality coaching, and you, you know, across international football as a whole, it's tough to get coaches like yourself. Like the fact that Belgrade got you was massive for them. Um, you know, I had Coach Doug Atkins, who was awesome in Novi Sad when I played there. You know, but there, you know, there's a select few of really, really talented coaches. And then there's a disconnect because just so many of these coaches haven't seen the highest levels in the U.S. And so, you know, the, right. the more quality Americans that we can get shipped over there and the more events and camps that we can do to educate, you know, that's really, I think, what, what's going to push the game forward. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, you know, for me, it was just, it was a God thing. I mean, I was at Navarro. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed there forever. We had administration change and, you know, I want, I want to be able to uh, minister to kids and, um, certain things were being shut off. I mean, she just didn't agree with a lot of things we were doing. And, and to me, I can minister anywhere. And if you start taking that away, it, it's not good. And then she was taking mm-hmm. away scholarships. I was like, it's just not uh, not worth hanging around. And then Goran had posted something. I asked a buddy, I said, you know anything about this? He goes, uh, goes well, there's a guy that coached over there. But, I mean, yeah, it's, you just got to make sure – <clears throat> the ownership and they're going to, they're going to pay you number one and kind of what the accommodations are. And if you have control over everything and yeah, so I, I talked to him and he said, uh, we go through this whole interview process and we get Goran, done with, with Goran with Goran. Yeah. <laughs> and he, we get done with it and he goes, uh, it's okay. And, uh, said, okay. And I asked all the questions I had to ask, you know, working out the contract. So, so, so when will the decision be made, whether it's offered to me or not, he goes, well, I'm the owner, so if you mm. want the job, the job's yours. So I said, oh, great. <laughs> okay. So it was, uh, you know, I was trying to get things worked out in Navarro, and, uh, you know, the, he basically said, here's, we got you a flight ticket. If for some reason you can't show up, just refund us the money uh, mm. that you get from it. And, uh, you know, I tried to push one last push at it. Then I had everything packed. Uh, didn't work things out like that. Thursday, Friday, resigned over the mm-hmm. holidays, Christmas break, and I was flying out on Monday. It was okay. crazy. It was fast. That's tight turnaround. <laughs> yeah, but, but we kind of knew that was the direction we were going to. And then, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it was, a, it was a basically God kind of opened the door. And, you know, when you're in college coaching, you get wrapped up into it. And I, I like to spend a lot of time with the family, but you, as a head coach, you get, um, wrapped up to it more like you're on on the phone at night and you try to eliminate that and I've done really good at that just leaving the when I leave the office that's it um but so one of the big thing was be with the family so after we got done (coughs) playing that season my wife she teaches online 
when we were at Lamar. That's another thing because we played against you when we were at yes. Lamar. Yes, we have so um, many random connections. It's awesome. <laughs> so we, when she, she's been teaching online, so when we go over there, and you know it's enough to live off of. Um, oh, yeah. So she comes over, and, and we homeschooled the girls. We finished the football season, homeschooled the girls, and traveled for a year. And it was wow. it was so unbelievable. And all you got to do is take, take a leap of faith. I know people get so wrapped up in the – to, you know, I'm, this is my career path, and this is where I got to go. I got to keep on moving, moving, move. Um, I mean, I'm a great example of it. You know, I just said, you know, God's going to be in control of this. Went over to Europe, came back. I was in high school for a year and a half, trying to get back into college, but didn't want to move my kids um, out of Texas. So I wasn't just going to mm-hmm. go anywhere. And uh, then this just kind of happened. I mean, it's crazy mm-hmm. how it all went down. And, um, you know, same thing. My, my buddy, I was telling you earlier, it's funny, came back to Blake again. But Blake Anderson, Arkansas State, you know, he he got out of coaching for a little bit for some different reasons and <clears throat> basically worked with his dad. And then one day someone called him up, one of his buddies, and so he starts coaching back again. And then three years later, he's the head coach at Arkansas State. It's crazy. Um, so, I mean, if you let God just take control of things, things are going to happen. And, and I would say anybody that's got an opportunity to go over there and coach, go over there and play because um, it's, it's – they want younger coaches, really. I mean, they mm-hmm. want – because basically you get a lot of guys that are kind of in the retirement gig, and they yeah. say, well, I go over there. And, and that was kind of a negative from some of those guys. Well, this guy's just coming over vacation. He's not really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And there are older people that are passionate, obviously, so to find the right ones. Like Dan, obviously, he was got after it uh, pretty yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, – and I encouraged a bunch of guys all the time when I was here. I said I would jump on it. In fact, our receiver here was a two-time All-American, was over in Turkey. This, and I, and I hadn't talked to him since. So I'm guessing he might still be over there. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, players, coaches, a lot of them aren't even aware of the opportunity, or they, you know, they don't trust the opportunity, or you know, they, they see that there's not tens of thousands of fans in the stadium. They, they, they see that there's not a big salary. But the way that I relate it is, you know, you've been grinding on football for the last 10 to 15 years of your life. You know, if, if you don't make the NFL, like, use this opportunity to see the world, to let football pay you back for once, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going over and you're practicing two or three times a week and you're traveling the world. I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's, a, paid vac- I mean, it's a paid vacation while playing the sport and growing the sport that you love. Like, yeah, it's be- awesome. Like I said, we were in Turkey, we were in uh, Austria, we were in uh, – um, I'm getting mixed up where we – Slovenia, probably. Slovenia. Um, yeah. um, Croatia. Czech Republic. Croatia. Czech Republic. Yeah, there's so many places. You know, the, the Final Four um, was hosted at our place, but the year before that, they'd actually gone to France to play in the Final Four. Mm, so, yeah, mm-hmm. you go all over it was cool. So we're traveling and uh, we were in. <clears throat> so when we left, we started because of the Schengen Treaty, you know, we were bouncing from country to country. Um, so we went over to the UK and then came back and went France, Italy, uh, Croatia. Croatia is beautiful. I mean, so amazing. Unreal. It might, it might be my favorite country in all of Europe, actually. It is. So, so we <laughs> stayed in the northern part. We stayed in Rajeka, right uh-huh. on the Italy border. Then we were in uh, Split, right in the center. Mm-hmm. Where the uh, Diocletian's palace is, right there on the water. Then yep. we went down in the um, oh, Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik, yeah, where they yep. play Game of Thrones and Star Wars yep. and all that. Stunning. Amazing. 
and then Mont- Montenegro. We took a trip over to Montenegro, but yeah, yeah, it's it's so beautiful, and you don't even know. And the coolest thing I thought, and this is the the point I kind of drive home to people, is the culture. There's some things that are a little different, but uh, the people that you think are just cold and standoffish, they are so welcoming. Yes, I mean, the Serbian people. I mean, I was amazed. I mean, you got to think back in the Yugoslavian War. So U.S. that went in and bombed everything there to break Yugoslavia up. And exactly, and here, I mean, they're just fascinated by Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I mean, the family I, I got connected with were awesome. I mean, they're they're friends for life. I'd hung hung out with them all the time, and it's a, uh, I mean, yeah, you just never know. And then just, you know, you know this, but just the the culture of being outside, hanging out in a cafe mm-hmm. on the street. It's you don't get that in the U.S. I mean, New York, no. I guess, because you're walking around, but I mean, people don't talk to each other there. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. And like so you said, it's people, cool. I was gonna say it's cool because, like you said, like <laughs> the people in Serbia are big, they're strong, they look cold, they look angry all the time. But like you said, like I never really had a bad experience with anyone there. You yeah. know, even even after what we did do to them with NATO in, in the late uh-huh. '90s and. In, I mean, it's, and I think Serbia has the most beautiful woman in the world. I, I fell in love a couple times there, man. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like a midget. I was, I was a midget. Yeah. I think I need to go to Japan next time. <laughs> Where I'm like the average height, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm in Mexico, so Mexico, everyone's short here. I mean, everyone, I'm 6'1", and everyone thinks I'm like a giant. So it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, but but so coach, so you know, as we wrap up here, why did you you know did you feel like you got a calling to go back to college once you returned from Europe, or you know what's your fast? Why back to the college game? I know that you know it's longer hours. I know it can be more stressful, but you know what makes you return to that stress and to take that on? Um, you know, it, it's it's fun. I mean, I, it's not it's not a job. Um, it's about relationships, and to me, the relationships you have, like I said. I was in high school for <clears throat> a year and a half, and, and I love the kids there. But it's just, you know, there it's – you have a different relationship. Like w- with us, like I said, doing our discipleships with the kids and you start getting vulnerable. Uh, I mean, guys, you start connecting to them. And these are young men. It's not like it's a it's a high school kid. Um, they, they start thinking on their own. They don't have their mom or dad behind. They start coming to you for, for different ideas or when things are going wrong or how to get help. And it's just – just that relational uh, relationship you have with, with the players at the college level because you're seeing them as they're, as they're becoming men, as they're becoming leaders. Right. And it's uh, it's fun. And then I, I love recruiting. I mean, getting out on the road, and it, like right now during this pandemic, to me this is like the lazy man's recruiting time because <laughs> I want to go out and hit a school after school after school, yeah. see this coach and talk to the kids and introduce myself to them. And now all these guys are just on the phone. So it's like mm. some guy could sit on his couch and call a guy and you kind of get to know him somewhat. But it's, right. I mean, it's different when you see him in person and just, just interact. So that's, that's the thing. I, I love that. Now it gets tiresome. You get to a point and then all of a sudden it's time to crank football back up again. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it kind of it keeps on cycling. But, yeah, college football, there's nothing else like it. And just to think that I could be doing this, I mean, coaching football at the college level, um, and getting paid, it's insane. I mean, making yeah. a living off this. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, I love it. Um, it's a blast. I, if you have an inclination, like when I was in college, I was going to be a doctor at first, 
Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I was making like a C in, in biology and I was like, well, and I make A's and everything else. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go to medical school at. So this is probably not a good idea. Yeah. Went to accounting, my whole family, my dad's an accountant, my uncle, the accounting professor. I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I can just sit behind a desk all day. I mean, that'd just mm -hmm. be boring. So the thing is, I got work all day long. We watch video, but man, at 3.30, I mean, it's like out the door on the practice field, get a football in here. You're just playing. It's exactly. awesome that you get to play a game and, and do this for, for a living. That's fantastic. And, and yeah, you know, I've been feeling getting my own call, I think, to get back into coaching. And it'll see where that plays out. But, you know, the appeal of being able to impact 80 to 100 young men each and every year and develop them from the time they're 18 to the time they're 23 and the impact that they're going to have on everyone. I mean, that's really what's appealing. You know, when you look at what types of jobs you can go and get in the world, like you said, accounting or finance or, um, you know, whatever it may be, like, you're not going to make that impact. No. And you're not going to have as much fun, you know, and be around like-minded people. And um, th there's tremendous power in that. And so congratulations <laughs> on everything, you know, that you've accomplished, Coach. And it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And I look forward to, to continuing to see your career grow. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to know you. Had, I didn't like playing against you the second time. The first time we got you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll get that in college. We got you in college. Yes. But, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. the uh, – that Serbia, you're you're a heck of an athlete. I know it's you and the uh, and uh, well, I'm going blank on the uh, our receiver. Um, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, God, Tony. 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 Yeah. yeah. Tony, the, the the man with no Facebook. They called him. Yeah. <laughs> you two guys going at it. It was like both quarterback. Our guy was out, and y'all's quarterback mm -hmm. got hurt. Like what the mm -hmm. first quarter. So yep. now it is these, these two wildcat quarterbacks, and whoever had the ball last. Gonna you, win. You, you scored the yeah. last one. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There he goes. I was like, oh, I crushed. Man, that was like one of the hardest games I'd ever played in my life. I mean, like oh, you yeah. said, we were, we were all going both ways. It was super hot <laughs> in the middle of the Serbian summer. We were just going back and forth. And, yeah, it came out in the last 15 seconds. I retired after that play. I haven't played since. Yeah, that was, that was a good one to retire on. Yeah, was, man. So, yeah, it was great. So, yeah, great knowing you. And remember – I did talk to you about a spot a while back ago, so you never know. <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully this virus stuff, you know, goes away soon so there's a season and everything opens up, and I will absolutely be considering that if that's on the table. So Sounds good. Awesome. Well, well uh, you enjoy surfing or whatever you're doing down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quarantining, Coach. I'm quarantining. There's, there's nothing in the ocean. You're okay out there. Yeah, believe me, I am getting I'm, I am getting to the beach. Don't you worry. Yeah. But, all right, man. Well, take care. Okay. That's, that's another God episode bless. of the football. That's another episode of the Football Excellence Podcast. Y'all take care and talk soon.